downloading this week's podcast from Relevant Church. We are so thrilled and excited to see what God has planned for your life through this message. We know you're going to enjoy it. Sit back, relax. God bless. How are you guys doing this morning? Excellent. Um, as you saw, Pastor Jonathan is out of town this week. He's not with us, um, but he sends his greetings. He'll be back um, this evening, actually. So if you could remember through today, just keep him in your prayers, safe traveling. Um, I know how it is to be away from my family, especially with a newborn at home. So just keep him in your prayers throughout the day. Um, as he mentioned, Regroup starts this week. Um, we have a few spots available. If you haven't signed up, sign up at the table this morning. Um, and if you haven't yet paid your deposit, you can do that today. The materials came in. We have them this week. Um, but before you can get your materials, you, neither, you either need to have paid your deposit or made arrangements to do that. So you can do that out in the lobby as well to get that taken care of. I'm really looking forward to it. I know that I have so much to learn about my finances. I'm really excited to get tools in my hands to help you know, plan my future, plan for how I'm going to put groceries on the table next week. So it's going to be good stuff. Um, and, and the last announcement is Super Bowl party. You guys ready for Super Bowl party? You know, I, I almost can't believe that it's already here. I used to laugh at my mom because it would be like, you know, she'd always say, like, I can't, this year is flying by. And I'd look at my watch, and I'd be like, it's January 5th. Like, what are you talking about? But it's hard to believe it's already Super Bowl. And if you're a fan and you watch the season, it's exciting. And, and today is the day we get to find out who the Patriots will be playing in a couple weeks. So that's exciting. Um, <laughs> well, well, we'll see. Just relax. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> so it's going to be exciting. And if you come for the, for the game, it's going to be a great game. If, if you're not so much into football, come for the commercials. If you're not so much into the commercials, come because there's going to be food. And, and most importantly, like this is one of these opportunities that we just get to hang out together as a family. Um, it, it, bring a friend. You know, I, I know a lot of people that used to go to church. They get burned by, you know, Christian people. Who, who were hypocrites, and, you know, this is an opportunity that we can invite people to come and come into our world and see that, you know what, we're real people, we're, you know, we're, we're flawed, sure, but we're real people, um, and it's just a non-threatening environment, and it's a great place to make connections, too. Last, last Super Bowl, I had only been coming to church here for a couple months, so I went, and I'm kind of shy, I'm kind of nervous, I like to just kind of watch what everybody's doing. So I made a friend, even though he was wearing a New York Giants t-shirt, because, you know, I won't, I, I'm not even going to get started. But he, to this day, he remains one of my closest friends. And had I not gone to watch the 49ers and the Ravens, my two least favorite teams on the planet, that never would have happened. So, sorry. This is going to be a loud section today, I'm afraid. <laughs> so, so, so come on out. Um, as I mentioned, Pastor Jonathan is not here today, and... Please don't tell him all of the details, but we're going to do something a little bit different today. We're going to have an experiment in social democracy. And all that means is we're going to vote for something. But it's, it's, it's so important. We're going to answer today in this building a question that has plagued mankind for at least 50 years. Okay? I need you to put your serious face on. This is serious stuff. Okay? Here's the rules. You can only vote once. And the second rule is you have to be serious. Okay? So here's the deal. You know, this is so important. I think we should do a dry test, okay? Just dry run, test run, okay? So I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. 
Um, raise your hand if you like my shirt. Okay. There we go. So this wasn't quite the overwhelming majority that I was looking for. Because I was hoping to prove today that my, my wife doesn't think I have a very nice sense of fashion. Right? So... There's this one day I was at Walmart buying groceries, and I see the shirt on the rack, and I'm like, huh, that's an interesting color. I don't see a lot of people wearing that. Maybe now I know why. <laughs> right? So I'm looking at it, and it's got, like, this cool little pattern thing on the pocket. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to buy that shirt. So I'm, like, all excited, not because I think I look good, but I just want to prove her wrong, Right? So I rush home. I've never driven home so fast from Walmart. I throw, I do a load of wash. I put it in the dryer. And, like, I'm upstairs in my study doing schoolwork trying to concentrate because I'm so excited for her to come home and say, you know what? I'm sorry. I was wrong. So, like, I hear the garage door open. And I run downstairs. And I'm, like, trying to figure out where's the best place to stand. So I go over by the kitchen counter. You know, I'm leaning on the counter, maybe throwing off the vibe. Right? <laughs> And she comes through the door, and she's like, hey, you bought a shirt. And it's like, yes, I did. And she looks at me, and she goes, it's nice. So now, like, I'm, we're, like, slowly moving in the right direction, right? I'm like, here it comes. Scott, you know, I was wrong. You do know how to dress yourself, and you look good. So this is what happens, right? So she looks at me, and she goes, yeah, it's nice. So um, we going bowling? I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Are we going bowling? So I guess maybe you guys, you're, I, I apologize to you. <laughs> so Okay, so I'm sorry, I'm getting way off topic. We're going to decide today who is the coolest superhero of all time. Are you guys ready? Okay, raise your hand if you think Batman is the coolest superhero of all time. Okay, go ahead and put your hands down. Uh, what about Spider-Man? Any Spider-Man fans? Way up in the back. Just one. You're by yourself, Matt. All right. Any, uh, any Iron Man fans in the room? Iron Man? Good. You know, I guess maybe if this is going to be an official vote, we should be counting. But anyway, we'll keep going. How about Superman? Any Superman fans? All right. I'm glad this is the majority because I got to tell you something. Like, I love Superman. He's a pretty cool superhero as far as superheroes go, but... For me, there's just, like, some flaws in the story, right? Like, don't get me wrong. Anybody who is, uh, what, faster than a speeding bullet, stronger than a locomotive, which incidentally just really confuses me because, like, women, like, ladies, have you ever, like, watched your husband doing something really manly? And you're like, wow, my husband's so strong. He's stronger than a train. (laughs) What does that mean? Like, I've never been watching UFC with my friends and be like, man, that rampage. Stronger than a train, that one. I don't get it. Anyway, you know, leaps tall, buildings in a single bound. But there's flaws in the story. I mean, seriously, like, he comes from outer space, lands in a cornfield, right? And, and this family adopts him, brings him in. And, and they, they protect his identity from all of the other kids at school. You know, the, he, they, they protect his identity, the superhuman speed and the superhuman strength and those laser things that come out of his eyes. They protect his identity. And the mastermind behind this protection is a farmer from Kansas. Like, no offense, but I've met some farmers from Kansas, and they're not masterminding anything. You know what I'm saying? So what's what's the next step in life? You know, if you're Superman, you graduate high school, you got to get a day job, right? Superman needs a job. 
confusing to me, but, you know, he gets on a suit and tie, and he walks into the Daily Planet, gets a job, and he's out, you know, chasing leads for his story, and inevitably, trouble happens. So where does he go to change? Anybody? A glass phone booth. Like, he runs in a glass box thinking no one can see him? Like, what? Are you kidding me? And then, like, he, you know, rips open the shirt, and he's got the Superman outfit on, and he, like, where does he tuck the cape? Am I right? I'm, like, if I see this, I'm like, man, that guy needs to change his diaper. What's going on back there? But the thing for me, like, the cherry on top is, is the whole thing with the glasses, right? Like, he takes off his glasses, and now no one can recognize this person. I mean, hold on. Exactly. Now, I, I'm going to be honest. I can't really see any of you right now. But I'm guessing that not one of you is sitting there like, <gasps> where'd he go? I know he was just standing there a minute ago, but where did he go? Like, I'm sorry, but I just can't buy that. And, and you know, it's funny. Like, I was thinking this week about what Pastor Jonathan said last week. That, you know, if we're really going to get a handle on our finances, then we need to stop looking at ourselves as owners of our wealth, but as managers of our wealth. You know, he he'd said that, you know, we don't create our money. We don't create our wealth, or if you're in my situation, we don't create our lack of wealth. We simply manage what God has loaned to us. And I started to realize that if I'm ever going to get a handle on my money, and if you're ever going to get a handle on your finances, we need to take off our glasses and start seeing ourselves as different people. Because here's the thing, right? People that, like, make the advertisements, the commercials that we love to watch at Super Bowl, like, they win if you go and buy their products, right? But that's not how they really win. I'm going to tell you a little secret. They win when they get you to change your self-perception. Because when you stop seeing yourself as a person of a particular family or a man of a particular ethnic identity or a woman of a particular career path, and start seeing yourself as a consumer, that's when they really win. But God has given us a a much different picture of of how he wants to manage our finances. God has given us this uh, a different set of rules. And we need to reconceptualize who we are when it comes to our money. And we need to stop looking at ourselves as consumers but rather as children of God, people in relationship with God. And he's given us kind of a blueprint for what this looks like. So I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles to Proverbs 31. And while you're flipping there, I'm just going to uh, seek the Lord's blessing on our morning this morning. Father God, thank you for today. I just thank you, Lord, that your, your word is not only a beacon of light of hope for our salvation, but that it's a lamp to guide our steps. And I would just pray today that you would help us to see the way that you want us to be responsible managers of the money that you have given to us. Help us to learn what it means to be responsible in our relationship with you and our testimony to the world. And we ask your blessing and, and invite your transformation in our lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Proverbs 31 is this story, and it starts out, she is an excellent wife. Now, if you're like me, I've been going to church since literally I was in diapers. My mom would take me. 
I've been around church people all my life. And at some point, if you've been around long enough, you might have heard this conversation or asked someone you this question if you've been married for a while. Like, hey, Billy Bob, I really, really respect you. And, and I respect your marriage. I see you guys, the way you treat her. I've I'm, I'm kind of been striking out in the dating department. So could you help me? Tell me who is the ideal wife. And Billy Bob looks and says, well, brother, <clears throat> you got to go home. You got to pray. You got to read your Bible and read Proverbs 31. Okay, th- this is how it happens a lot. But I, I got to be completely honest with you. Excuse me. My wife and I, some of you know this, some of you don't, we actually met online because we were like both at places, I was working like crazy hours and, you know, she has a job teaching school and like we were at different churches at the time. So we met online and we had the the luxury of like chatting for a couple weeks before we actually met in person. So, you know, I invited her to this coffee shop in Riverside because like my, first of all, my thing is like, I don't want to add pressure to myself, right? I'm I'm kind of an oaf, kind of a little clumsy sometimes. I don't need the added pressure of being like, uh-huh, I'm going to bring you to this French restaurant. I'm going to wine you and dine you. Right? I don't need that. And then the other thing is, like, we've actually not met in person, and we've all heard horror stories, right, of people that meet online, and, like, I didn't want her to be like, who's this guy? Is he going to be, like, you know, the Unabomber? I, I didn't want to walk in and be like, oh, hi. Aren't you Lorena Bobbitt? I, I didn't want any of that, right? So we met at this coffee shop, and, and we're having a conversation. And, and, you know, I told her how beautiful her eyes were. <laughs> this is still a dispute, too. We'll settle that one next service. Um, but, you know, as we we're talking, I, you know, I asked her, what do you do for a living? And she said, I'm a school teacher. And then I looked at her and said, so... Uh, when you consider a field, do you, do you, do, or when you buy a field, do you consider it first? When it snows, do you send your, your, your kids to school in the finest purple? Like some of these questions, are just not the things that I asked my wife to find an ideal wife. And, and I think that there's something a little bit going, different going on in this passage. So let's read it real quick. We're going to read verses 10 through 21. An excellent wife who can find, she is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her. And he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks woolen flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions to her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands, to the, and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed in scarlet. So we can stop right there. But here's the thing. The very, the very first words of this passage are an excellent wife who can find. And it's entirely possible that a better way to translate this phrase is uh, a woman of valor. See, the, the Hebrew word for woman can be translated either way. And, and I think what, what's going on here is that um, God is laying out what it looks like 
for his, how his people should act, right? So in, in, if you look at a map, right, and you see the Mediterranean Ocean, Mediterranean Sea, excuse me, all the way to the right is Israel. And, and Israel's not an island. You know, there, there's countries all around. And, and Israel is really, really old. So all of these other nations, like Egypt's down here, right? And in the land where they, uh, where they occupy now, where they, they came in, the promised land, there were all these like little city-states. And, you know, where Iraq is was the Assyrian Empire, and then the Persians come up. And all of these countries have their own set of religious beliefs. They have gods, they have goddesses, they worship, they worship them. And in all of these other religions, it's kind of gross, so please hear me out, I'll explain it in a minute. But all of these, like the gods and the goddesses, they have relationships with each other. And, and, and again, this is kind of gross, but the way that they bless people and distribute wealth is when they, when they have a sexual relationship. Right, but it's not about sex; it's about fertility. You know the the idea of the of the rabbit, right? And that it produces eggs, and it's like an f- image of fertility in our society. That's what these gods were doing. So the gods would get together with his wife, the goddess, and they would have a relationship, and it would rain. And then when it rained, the crops would grow, and when the crops grow, I feed my family, and I can bless my community. So the relationship that these gods have together is how they become a blessing to humans. The, the God we read about in the Bible, our God, the God that we worship, he's nothing like that. Right? There's, there's no stories in our Bible about God and his goddess. There's no story about um, the, the way that he blesses us because he had a good night last night with his wife. He's not sexualized in the Bible the way he is in all of those other religions. But he does bless us through a very special relationship. And that is the relationship that he has with us. He calls us into a covenant relationship. And a covenant is just a fancy word for an agreement. And, and they're all through the Bible. Sometimes they're just promises that God makes. Sometimes they're agreements that man makes with God. But do you understand how different it is? Think about Genesis 1, right? And the very first scenes of the Bible. And God creates man. And then what does he do? He, He calls him to partner with himself to be a blessing. He says, go and name the animals. He says, go be fruitful and multiply. And then we, we jump ahead to Genesis 9, right? And, and God meets this man named Abraham. And he says to Abraham, Abraham, I know you're in your 90s. I know you don't have any kids. But by the time you're done, they're going to count your children like they count the stars in the sky. And, and, and he says to Abraham, I am going to bless all nations through you. And we jump ahead to 2 Samuel 7, and and King David is the second king in Israel. And and he's described as a man after God's own heart. And God makes a promise to him and says, your kingdom will never end. You're always going to be king over Israel. I am going to bless the nations through you. And, And that's the kind of relationship that I think Proverbs 31 is describing in, in poetic form. So imagine this scene, right? Okay, it's Oscar night in heaven. And, and you know, the auditorium is, is all lit up, 
and nice and clean. The red carpet's laid out. I'm guessing that Joan Rivers is somewhere interviewing somebody, right? And, and, and the paparazzi are all ready. And here comes the first limousine. And out of the limousine pops this Egyptian god, Amun. And, and he's with his wife, Mut. And I didn't make these names up, I promise. Right? So they, they walk arm in arm down the red carpet and everybody's snapping pictures of him. And the next car is this, this other god, El, and his wife, Asherah. And they get out, go down the carpet. And once they get inside, another limousine comes through. And this is Baal. And Baal's with his wife, Anat. And they get inside, and then this humongous limo pulls in. It's bigger than the other ones. It's cleaner than the other ones. The windows are a little more darkly tinted than the other ones. The chrome, a little more sparkly. And the door opens, and our God steps out. And our God's standing there at the the front of the red carpet, and he reaches his hand back in the limousine. And guess who pops out with him? You and me. That's how special this covenant relationship is that we have with God. That God could have done whatever he wanted to, and he chose to partner with us to bless other people. And part of that blessing is through the way that we manage our personal finances. So we're going to picture this person in relationship with God. The first thing that this person is, is a person of character. Right? Verses 10 and 11. An excellent wife who can find, she is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. You know, last week I remembered Pastor Jonathan talking, and I got a little convicted about this. He was talking about, like, I can, I can get a sense of where your heart is by where you spend your money. Right? And it's, it's kind of true, sadly, I think. Because, you know, if, if, I, if I got paid on Friday and, like, I spent all my money at Abercrombie & Fitch, you know, I'd be concerned about how I look. No comment. <laughs> right? You get a sense of what's important to you by how you spend your money. But I started to think about that, and, and it, it's, it needs to be so much more than that. It's not just what's important to me. But it's how is my spending reflecting the God that I love? How is my spending reflecting the God that I worship and my relationship with him? You know, if, if the places where I shop are, are places where I have to, like, put my hood on and the big dark glasses, right, maybe it's time to evaluate how my finances are honoring God or honoring my spouse, you know, if I was standing at the cash register of one of these places with my debit card in hand and one of you guys walked in, I'm sure I'd be like, what are you doing here? Right? But it, and it doesn't necessarily have to be that dramatic. But the way that I choose to manage God's money is a reflection of my relationship with him. And it needs to be a reflection of my character. The second thing is this person is a person of diligence. Verses 13 through 15. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. You know, there's a lot of different perceptions about what diligence is, right? Sometimes I think in this country we we tie diligence to our salary. And there was a time in my life where I was, you know, grossly underemployed. 
And I would work 40 hours a week, and it was the hardest, physically, the hardest job I've ever had in my life. And I was a single dad, and it was a few years ago, and the economy was horrible. And I would spend all of my free time trying to find a second job so that I could help make ends meet. And I would beat myself up because it wasn't happening. And I felt so lazy. Like, I want to do more. But diligence isn't tied to the paycheck. You know, sometimes we also think of diligence as, you know, who are you going to crush on your way to the top? Right? I'm sure you've either, like, heard stories, like fictional stories of, of Wall Street characters, or in the last few years you can get that right out of the Wall Street Journal, I think. But it, diligence is, who are you crushing on the way to the top? And, and I think the point that God wants us to understand about the way we manage our money is that what are you doing with what I've already given you? How hard are you working today to put food on your table? What are you doing with what I've given you? The next point is that this person is a, point, is a person of prudence. You know, just smart. You know, the, the text says that this person considers a field before she buys it. And it's the consumer mentality that, that has caused like a huge shift in our thinking, right? So it's, it's no longer like, how will spending my money on this benefit me and my family? Right? Like if, if I'm driving down the freeway and, and there's an 80 by 20 billboard and they're selling snow tires, I'm going to think, hmm, that actually might not be a bad investment. I mean, here it is, January 19th, it's going to be 85 today. Yeah. <laughs> right? But as soon as you put like a girl in a bikini selling the snow tires, now it becomes, hmm, how does that make me feel? And this is how it makes me, it makes me feel like, you know what? I'm going to turn my car around. I'm going to go to that shop right now because I'm sure that lady in that bikini is going to be selling me snow tires. And I'm going to show her just how fly I am. I'm, I, I, don't, I don't want the cheap snow tires. I, I want the, the whole nine, right? I want, you, I want to refinance my mortgage so I can buy these snow tires. It's not anymore... How does this benefit me and my family? How does this make me a blessing to somebody else? It's how does this make me feel? And, and, and that's um, it's something that we really need, I think, to, to sort of like change our perspective on. You know, when you get paid, what is your first thought? And this is kind of where the rubber meets the road, and it certainly is for me. What is my first thought when I get paid? Bills. I used to think you were cool. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Honestly, like, this is how much of a nerd I am. I'm like, hmm, I can go to the bookstore today. <laughs> and you laugh, but I'm not joking. Right? How, how, what, what, what meal can I spend half of this on today? Because it's going to make me feel good, you know? Person of prudence. Point four is that this person that God wants us to be is a person of preparation. You know, how many people remember MC Hammer? All right, I'm glad I'm not the only one. But MC Hammer, right, he, he blows up. And, and what does he do with all of this newfound wealth? He buys the biggest house on the biggest hill in Hollywood, right? He, he buys enough parachute pants to outfit the North Korean army. 
he buys the biggest car, and then he brings all of his guys with him, and he gives them ridiculous salaries for doing what? Who knows, right? And then what happens? The second album comes out, and the second album sucks. So, and, and what happens? All of that money is gone. You know, it reminds me of the story in Genesis. Joseph was this guy, and his brothers absolutely hated him. So they concoct this plan to send him to Egypt. And, and while he's in Egypt, he gets thrown in jail. And Pharaoh has a dream, right? Pharaoh has a dream, and none of his interpreters know what it means, right? So there's, there's seven cows, and they're well-fed, to say the least, and then from out of nowhere, like these like seven skinny cows ramble onto the scene. And they, you know, they're like so thin, they got like their rib cages are sticking out on the side. And the seven skinny cows eat the seven fat cows. And Pharaoh doesn't know what's going on. So so Joseph comes to him and he says, Here's what your dream means. Okay? There's gonna be seven years of prosperity. And, and we're not talking like dot-com bubble prosperity. We're talking like Jay-Z prosperity, right? Like, things are going to be good. So what is the advice that Joseph gives him? This is what you need to do. You need to go buy the biggest yacht that you can fit on the Nile River, and you need to get the biggest order of crystal that you can find. I'm going to get my caviar guy on the phone right now, and we're going to get you hooked up. He says, this is what he says. He says, build barns. Build barns. Who does that? Who thinks like that? I'm living high on the hog. Build a barn. Because here's the thing. The seven skinny cows, that's going to be seven years of famine like you've never seen before. And what's the point? The point is, be ready for it. You know, and it's the same thing for us too, right? When we look at the money that God has given us, you know, it's easy for me to, I'm going to tell you the truth, I, I like Starbucks. And I'm also going to tell you that I'm probably embarrassed to think about what my 401k would look like today if I funneled all of that money out of Starbucks pocket and into my 401k. How am I preparing for my future? Because the fact of the matter is, no matter what situation you're in right now, it might not be like that a year from now. You know, if you're struggling right now, you know, think about what's next. How can I plan for whatever it is that happens? You know, if, if times are good, think about what's next. Think about how can I be, how can I prepare now to be a blessing to my family and my community when the unexpected comes down the road next month? The last characteristic of this person <clears throat> excuse me, is that she's a person of charity. She's a person of charity, right? It says in verse 20 that she opens her hands to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. Now, I think in our society, like a lot of times, we're kind of reactionary when it comes to how do we help somebody else, right? And this is not, the idea here is not that like, oh, you know what, I was driving my camel down the Jerusalem Expressway, and I got off at the Tyler Street exit, and there was this dude at the end of the ramp with a little sign said, I'm hungry, I'm homeless, I'm unemployed, I will work for Gefilte Fish. And so I saw him and I flipped him a couple shekels. 
This is not, I was watching TV last night and I heard this horrible story of this guy that used to play football. And back in the 70s and UCLA had a really bad program from what I understand. They won the Rose Bowl. This guy like led them to the Rose Bowl. He played on the 1981 49ers championship team. He played later on for Detroit. And he got so many concussions that his wife talked about how she would watch him like just deteriorate right before her eyes. Just all of a sudden, like violent mood swings. It got so bad that his kids were like, hey, you know what? He goes or we're leaving because we can't live like this. So so this guy, all these glory years behind him is homeless down in Long Beach. Right? And, And this is not the kind of charity that sees this on the news and says, I need to go find that guy and buy him a sandwich. The kind of relationship that God wants us to have is a, is a heart like his. This is not reaction. This is not blessing out of reaction. This is blessing out of character. This is my heart. I have the heart of God. So I'm going to be a blessing to other people. You know, I, I'm going to tell you something. And it's not because I want to wear it like a badge. Um, but my wife and I give to the church every month out of what the Lord has blessed us with. And, and I'm not going to lie to you, like there's some months where like we're, we're filling out the envelope and I'm like, man, I could do a lot of fun stuff with that money. You know, God, all of this is yours. Like, why can't you just give Ashley Hall a pay raise and she can make up the difference for me? Right? But I look and I say, you know what? I, we do this not because it's, it's just the, the right thing to do, but because we've bought into the vision that we want to be a lighthouse in the city. We, you know, we want to see the amazing things that are going on at the thrift store continue to bless people. We want to be able to come here and meet and, and let the gospel be proclaimed in this place every week. And, and that's why we give. And, and that is a reflection of the heart of the person who is in, in deep relationship with God. That's the heart. It's a person of character. When it comes to money, I want to be a person of character. And I want to be a person of diligence. And I want to be a person of prudence. And I want to be a person of charity and preparation. Not because I want my bank account to grow, which would be nice. But because I want God to step out of that limo on Oscar night and be proud that I am by his side. And I want to stand up and I, and I want to say, you know what? <clears throat> God chose me to partner with him in this amazing opportunity to bless people around me. And I want to encourage you to ask yourself two questions throughout this week. First of all, what is my motivation? Every time you get paid, every time you reach for your wallet, I want you to ask yourself, Why do I feel that I need to spend my money on this? What's my motivation? Is it because I want to reflect the goodness and glory of God? Or because there's something I need to hide behind? There's something I need to make me feel good that God promised to give me to make me feel good. What's your motivation? And the second thing I want you to ask yourself is how do I view myself? Because I've... It's been a stretching week for me too because I've been thinking about this question all week. How do I view myself? Do I view myself just as a consumer? 
just as someone with disposable income? Or do I see myself as a child of God with a responsibility in a relationship with him? Those are the questions I want you to think about this week as as we move through this series on how to get a handle on personal finance. That's where we start. You know, because sometimes it's just a matter of taking off our glasses and, and challenging the way that we see ourselves. You know, this is why Jesus went to the cross for us. It's not just so that he can save us from the sin that we committed, although that's true and a huge blessing. He called us, he died for us to partner with him, to take the good news of the gospel to a lost and dying city. He called us to a covenant relationship with him. Let's pray. Father God, we're so grateful today that you love us. We're grateful that you have called us to partner with you. And we're grateful that you trust us enough to do that. We thank you for the way that you love us. And we just pray that you would help us to shower love on the people around us, the people in our homes, the people in our community, the people in our church, Lord. We just lift your name up and give you the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information, visit Relevant316.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We hope you have a wonderful day. God bless.